0: Grace uh, leads us uh, towards living a new life. It enables us to travel a new path, to learn to live in a new way. And I pray all of you experience the transforming power of God.
1: You're listening to the Shoreline Church Podcast with Pastor Pilgrim Benham. Well, today on the podcast, we have a special sermon from Pastor Joe Harris. Pastor Joe is the pastor who took over the work that I planted in Tampa. The name of the church is Calvary 813, and you can get more information at calvary813.com. So settle in and listen to this awesome message from Pastor Joe. Hope you enjoy it. Please turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4. And we're going to start in verse 17. Ephesians 4, verse 17. I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. Verse 17. Now this I say and testify that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you uh, speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. And then, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. Lord, would you teach us as Pastor Joe comes? as we are reminded to put off our old self, not to walk in the ways that we once walked before Christ, to walk in our new nature. You have given us newness of life. You have created us anew, Lord. We are born again. So please work in us through your Holy Spirit this morning to teach us in new ways. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you welcome Pastor Joe?
0: Good morning. It's great to be with you guys. I am very impressed by your greeting time. That was uh, much longer than we greeted our church, i got to tell you. But I am Pastor Joe, and uh, I pastored the church that Pilgrim and Jenny, they planted back in 2010. And I've been the pastor there now a little over four years. And it is a privilege to be here. I was here about a year ago and taught you guys. Last time I was here, I think it was like 30 degrees in here. Uh, so I'm, I came prepared, but I'm feeling it's feeling like it's all right. It's feeling nice and warm in here today. I'm feeling normal. So uh, we're going to be in Ephesians um, chapter four, as we just looked at. And just so you have kind of a background, I am uh, married. I have two beautiful daughters. Uh, one of them was sick and, and couldn't be here today. So, uh, but I am you know, have a lovely life of 16 years. We've been happily married for about 12 years. Uh, she would, she would probably say 10 years, but I, I, I say 12. So, uh, But I am just so thankful to be teaching God's Word uh, with us this morning. But let me ask you this question and kind of start off, if you would. Uh, what is the last thing that you tried to change uh, in your life? Uh, have you tried recently to change you know, your eating habits? Have you tried to change, uh, maybe it's the way you speak to your spouse Uh, I know I personally have tried to change my eating habits over the past couple of months. uh, I've actually lost 35 pounds. Kind of crazy. Apparently, I'm not looking for any praise on that, just none. But God has enabled me to, to change my eating habits. You know, it's one of the things He's changed my life in tremendous ways. You know, I say often that following Jesus changes everything, He changes us, He changes our hard hearts. He changes, he makes us better people. He really does. And, you know, he came, you know, you can say that God came to, you know, he did come to raise the dead to life. And it's certainly more than God does is is just make us good people and better people. He certainly does raise us from dead to life. But he also does make us godly people. So if you ever wondered how to change your life, or if you ever wondered how to change, you know, maybe your spouse's uh, life or uh, say a friend of yours who's really struggling, following Jesus and being born again and following Jesus and learning to live this new life in Christ is the only way to change anyone, right? That we can all agree to that. Uh, but that is the big idea this morning, that change is possible. You know, that by giving our lives to Jesus, to follow him as our leader, that changes things. Not just being born again, I, I, that's, that's one thing, to be born again, but it's another thing to surrender our lives and to follow Jesus as the, I like to say, the leader of our life. He is Lord. He, he's, he calls us now to live differently. You know, how many of you guys have read uh, the letter to the Ephesians? A show of hands. Uh, okay, good. You're Bible readers. That's good. How many of you read it in the last, let's say, two weeks? Okay. Ephesians is one of those letters. It doesn't take very long. It could take you maybe 15 minutes to read through. It is one of the most satisfying, I mean, things that you could possibly read on planet Earth is the letter to the Ephesians. I mean, the first, the Apostle Paul, you guys may know about the Apostle Paul. He's this gnarly missionary, uh, church-planting guy who's fully committed to Jesus, and, and he writes, he planted the church in Ephesus, which was a large city, very bustling a metropolis and he planted one of one of the churches he planted was in Ephesus and he's writing this letter back to that church there was some people there that had radically changed their life the story of that planting is in acts chapter 19 he goes into the city of Ephesus and there was people that had been committed to witchcraft they had you know that's where the so many of the riots were at because of these you know the temple of uh, uh, to Artemis, all these pagan things, and, and God radically saved many different people in that city. Think about the change that happened in the life of those many of them, up to you know fifty thousand uh, drachmas worth of witchcraft material they went and sold. Do you guys remember that story in the Book of Acts? That was in Ephesus. So Paul planted this church, and now they're called to change their life dramatically. There's a radical change. That has to happen. I don't know if you grew up kind of uh, in the church, or if you were saved, you know, out of uh, a really dirty, you know, life. Either way, God calls us to live a new life uh, for Jesus. So the first part, the first half of Ephesians, the first three chapters, lays out some of the most tremendous blessings that we have in Christ. Especially the first chapter, it says things like. God chose you before the foundation of the earth. That's, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? I mean, he, he says things like, you know, you have been blessed in the spiritual realms, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, he is, he, you've been redeemed. Ephesians 1 verse 7 uh, says that in him we have redemption through the, his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So for three chapters in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul is looking to strengthen your identity. He's looking to strengthen our identity so that we understand our position in Christ. If you have trusted Christ as your savior, which I think many of you have, if you've trusted Christ like you would trust a parachute jumping out of a plane, right? Then you are born again and you are placed in Christ two amazing little words with huge implications. You are in Christ. Positionally, you have been washed. God has uh, taken your old sinful ways, your sinful garments, and clothed you with Christ, right? And now uh, you are right with God. You're going to heaven. You have believed, you trusted Christ as your Savior. But now the last half of this letter to the Ephesians is going to gonna walk out and lay out what that means for you. There's a huge difference now because of this in Christ, because of this position in Christ, there's a huge difference now that God calls us to live differently. So when we we come to Christ, we turn from our sins, our sins are forgiven, now there's a new walk, there's a new way of life, there's a process of learning uh, to be a godly person, going from, to, from being an angry, hard-hearted person to a kind, loving person, right? To go from a lustful person to a satisfied person, to go from a thief to a giver, right? God's going to change us in radical ways. So look with me at the first part of Ephesians chapter 4. That's exactly what this is saying. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 He's saying there now. This I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So there's this language. There's this. uh, There's this new walk. There's this new way of life that God calls us to. Now, in my experience, I happened to grow up in the Southern Baptist Church, and I'm not saying this is all Southern Baptist churches, but I was sort of coerced into just saying a prayer and being baptized and uh, a little number on the notch of a church's belt. That was six years old. Anybody else grow up in church? Okay. And about 18 years old, as soon as I had freedom, right, I was out. You know, I was, didn't want anything to do with church. I had never made the choice really to repent of my sins and follow Jesus. And it took God allowing me to, uh, my, for my life to fall apart, allowing many things to happen in my life, to bring me to a place that I actually did repent of my sins and turn and follow Jesus. I certainly remember believing. Do you know the Bible actually says that demons believe and shudder? There is a, a calling for all of us to turn away from sins in repentance and to begin to follow Jesus. And that, that for me was my true conversion. That's when I came to that place and I realized, there is, I cannot do anything apart from Jesus. He says that in John 15, what a beautiful, we are, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me bears much fruit. That is the new life, right? Abiding in Christ, walking with Jesus. You know, but following Jesus, and that changed everything for me. And that's what this text is going to lay out. It lays out, it compares many of the old ways with the new ways. So I don't think we can get enough Bible. So I want to kind of read this again, now that we have a little bit of an intro. Let's read this section again and, and look at this comparison of the old life with the new. And then we'll kind of come back and we'll, we'll point out some of these things, all right? So Ephesians 4, verse 17, it says there again, we must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, it says. You guys reading? Here we go. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to to what? Hardness of hearts. And that's what God does, right? He gives us a new heart. I mean, a soft heart it takes away that old, rock-hard, stone, angry heart and gives us a new heart. They have become callous, have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, uh, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Keep reading with me. It says, Therefore, having put away, this is our pra- this is what we practice, putting it away, putting away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. That's a quite a radical change. Let the thieves no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath... And anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God, imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. So this text compares this old life with the new. Has anyone ever experienced a struggle with that? right i know i have especially for you that are married you know uh, especially in the home it, it, that seems to be kind of the sanctifying grounds of our relationships a lot of times our relationships that's where we learn hey we got a lot of work to do in practicing putting on the new self some of you're like elbowing you know the spouse a little bit but there's 12 ways here 12 things 12 characteristics of the old life and i'm not going to spend a lot of time on these but Uh, I just want to point out, at home I put out these up on the whiteboard and kind of thought about, thought through them, Uh, but consider these 12 things about this old life to kind of challenge us to, to be free from them. Number one is that a life apart from Christ is one with a darkened and futile mind, your thoughts are dark. You I mean? You're devoid of truth. Someone who's never come into the light is someone whose thoughts are constantly evil. They're constantly uh, selfish. They are devoid of truth, devoid of appropriateness. You know, you think of a a child. I just, we had a, a, we have a two-year-old, and man, she is cute as a button. I mean, and she is like, So adorable, so squeezable, snuggalicious. I mean, this girl has curly hair, you know. But I tell you what, there is something about her heart that is just selfish. I tell you what. She does not think about others. She thinks about herself. She thinks about how hungry she is, you know. I I believe it was Augustine said something like this, said, if toddlers, you know, could strangle their moms for food, they would, you know. (laughs) That's kind of the way we grew up. That's the way it is apart from Christ. Our thinking is dark. Our thinking is futile. It doesn't come into line with God's ways of thinking. Number two, alienated from life. You know, this uh, sin is what separates us from God, right? It separates us from heaven. Uh, Before we've ever been cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus, we are separate from eternal life, We're separate from, I would say, even enjoyment of life. You know, I don't think that I could have sat around on a Christmas or Thanksgiving and enjoyed the uh, uh, broccoli casserole, you know, with and loving on my wife and loving on my kids. That never was in existence apart from Jesus. We're alienated. I don't think we can truly sit back and enjoy a sunset and the beauty of God and until we come into life, alienated from life. That's a terrible, terrible place. Thankfully, it's grace. We don't have to work our way there, right? If we decide to follow Jesus and repent of our sins, we can experience life. But apart from Jesus, apart from faith in Christ, we are alienated from life. Ignorance. I would say this is a a deep-seated ignorance. In some ways, the grace of God is for Every human being, there are uh, unbelievers who make good music. Some of it, I believe so, you know? There are unbelievers who uh, are incredibly intelligent. But, th- but deep, in a deep sense, there is no knowledge of God. There's no real understanding. You may claim to be wise. A Roman says that, uh, that uh, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God... For images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So there is a worldly wisdom, but apart from Christ, there is no actual wisdom and knowledge. A child could be wiser than the smartest Ph.D. philosopher if they don't have Christ, right? Next it says callous. You know, Micah was up here playing the guitar. He has calloused fingers. I, I, Play the guitar sometimes, and if you guys have ever picked up, anybody practiced the guitar and said, I want to pick up the guitar? You know, the first time, it hurts. I mean, it is like, you have, wow, you're like, I never knew my fingers were so sensitive, right? <laughs> and it's like, the more you play, you start to play every day, and you get where, okay, I, I don't even feel the strings any longer. But that's the way a callous, where our hearts can be towards sin. Our hearts can become desensitized that we don't even feel pain any longer, we don't even feel the, the damage that sin does to our life if we are not putting off the old or if we have never come to Christ. Our hearts just get harder. And that's the way it is. If, if you, for a person, that's why you can't, there's really, this sounds kind of bad, but if, if someone has not come to Christ, you can't expect them to change, Right? Whereas God makes us better people, he really does. He, he brings us to life and he does make us godly people. If someone has not been born again, you can't expect them to become a better person. They're only going to become more calloused. And then number five, right? Hard-hearted. Or eventually it becomes like, you're not just the Grinch on Christmas, you're the Grinch like all the time, right? You, I just saw that movie and it's like, I can relate to the Grinch in some ways. Like naturally, my natural self, like that could be me, angry, hard-hearted, hating, you know, the good things in life. But we can become so calloused, and the Bible even says that in some ways, if, we don't, if we're too long just becoming desensitized, that we can't actually become, have a conscience that becomes uh, seared. Number six, it says there, bitterness. A lot of times a hard heart will become Bitter. Bitterness, just angry at God, angry at the life that you have, angry at the cards you've been dealt. Right? That's a that's a characteristic of a, apart from Christ. A lot of times, our bitterness can make us want to do things that cover up the pain. Sensuality. That's what that means. Basically, pleasing the flesh in a in a way of relationships or sexual sin, doing something to kind of a lot of times that is just to cover up the pain. In John chapter 4, there's a story of a a lady who I think was given to sensuality. I don't know if you ever read John chapter 4, but there's a lady in the story who Jesus comes up to, and she had five husbands in her life, and she currently was sleeping with someone who was not her husband. That is a lady that was given to sensuality, and it's natural when we don't deal with our, our Ignorant, alienated, darkness, hard heart, bitterness. All of us are prone to, in some way, deal with the thirst that we have, to deal with the pain that we have. But thankfully, Jesus comes to her and says, hey, for you, for, for all of us, hey, I have a water to drink that, that satisfies your thirst deep within your soul. And he even gives her a new life, right? But it was a mark of her old life given to sensuality. It's the mark of many of our lives before Christ. But now there's a new life. Now there's a new way. Greedy. This actually isn't just greedy for money. This is greedy for impurity. The sensuality is not, you know, and on Friday night's not enough. Now you need it on Saturday night. Now you need it on Sunday night, Monday morning. And it just kind of continues. Now you just need more and more. And it just kind of deal with and it becomes, can become addiction, right? Number nine, corrupt talk. I personally have, at the age of 14, went uh, to work at a restaurant called The Wine Cellar. uh, And I was pretty sheltered as a kid. And I think, you know, the the waiters there, we used to wear tuxedos and put on a really good show. You know, I remember, this is the first time I was really exposed to, this is what reminds me of it, really dirty corrupt talk. Anybody else worked in the restaurant industry? You know, that place is, like, dirty. Most restaurants. I mean, if you're a Christian restaurant owner, that, thank, thank the Lord. But most restaurants, when you work at a restaurant, it is filthy. I mean, I remember first seeing this person, he'd go out, this waiter, he'd walk out the front door, and he'd be, like, you know, kissing up to every table, and he'd walk back in and just, blah, like, blasting every curse word and every combination that I've ever heard in my life, and it's like, wow, you know. And eventually, that was me, you know, in my early 20s, just corrupt talk, putting people down, dirty, perverted speech, jokes, right? That's the old life. That's the old life. Slander, that's kind of the same thing. Slander is just taking corrupt talk into kind of a new way. Now you're not just talking dirty, you're talking terrible about people behind their back. That's what slander is, is tearing people down. How much better it is to lift people up behind their back, Right? And then number twelve mal- or, or eleven, anger, wrath, taking out vengeance. Vengeance is mine; I will repay, says the Lord. The old ways is that you make things right; you you pay back for sin. But now that's the old ways. Number twelve, malice, same kind of thing. You, the malice is the intention or the desire to do evil. You know, I think we've all been that guy or that girl. You know, and, and even as I read through this thing, if you're feeling maybe a little bit guilty or feel like, okay, that's me, that's, that's okay. I think God intends for us to be convicted as we read through the word. You know, we've, uh, you, know you may be here and you're like, I'm still that hard hearted person. I'm still uh, the Grinch every day of the week. You know, I'm the person uh, obsessed with self, filled with anger, bitterness, pain, and I'll do anything to take away the pain. I don't know if that's you, but you could be washed. Right? You could be washed in the blood of Jesus. You could be washed by trusting Christ as your savior. Jesus is the answer. He really is the answer for our emptiness, for our bitterness, for our anger. He's the answer for everything in life. Following Jesus changes our relationships, it changes you know, our enjoyment, our thinking habits, our work life, our marriage, our passion, our fulfillment, our joy. You know, I got to say, and I stand here as a person who has been changed, and even specifically in my marriage. You know, grace is not just some flippant excuse just to keep on living and traveling down the same path, is it? You know, grace uh, leads us uh, towards living a new life. It enables us to travel a new path, to learn to live in a new way. And I pray all of you experience the transforming power of God. Have you experienced the transforming power of your God in your life? I just pray this morning, Holy Spirit, let all of us experience that power of God today. But there's five ways that I want to point out this morning that Jesus changes us. Follow, you can say following Jesus changes everything. Grace changes everything. And there's, there's really specifically in this text five ways that God changes our life. Uh, number one. Jesus changes how we think. Look at verse 23 there uh, in our text. It says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. We have to allow God to change the way that we think. Our our minds are like pathways. I was recently up in the mountains. I took my my oldest daughter. She had, you know, like most Floridians has one big, coat that she never gets to wear, you know, and she was like, I want to go see snow, and I was so bad, I just want to wear my coat, so I took, you know, the first couple of days of Thanksgiving, we went and we found snow, and we were freezing our tails off, we were hiking through up by this waterfall, and there's this pathway, you know, we pulled over on the side of the road, we saw it, we began to just follow this path, it was, you could tell, there was hundred there was, you know, nobody around within miles, but you could tell that hundreds and hundreds of people have walked down this path along uh, this trail through the woods, and so we just continued to walk down this path. You know, science tells us that our thinking is that same way; that we have paths in our minds. These neurotransmitter, these paths that we have walked down, time and time again in our life. If you've ever, you know, dealt with any kind of addiction, you know that that's the only way to begin to have uh, to 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 find freedom from that is to mentally can begin to walk down a new path. It takes time. It would take time uh, for that path to begin to grow up, for grass to begin to grow up around that again, and to, where you we no longer even see it anymore. It's the same way with our minds. We must begin to change the way that we think if we're going to live this new life for Jesus. You know, we have the, this power in us that allows us to think differently about life. Philippians if you want to turn there where you can with me Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 and 9 and, and Paul definitely needed to control his thinking. Paul was writing this from prison and if anyone was able to control his thoughts it was Paul and he was able to have great joy in the midst of incredible suffering. But here's his instruction to us Philippians 4, verse 8. He tells us to think about these things. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So there is this putting on, these taking off of the old garments of our mind and putting on the new garments of, of new, pure, holy, righteous thoughts that allow us to live differently. This is a new garment. We take off the old. This is a spiritual weapon that Paul talks about, that to take your thoughts captive to make them obedient to Christ. This is a weapon against the old life. This is a weapon against spiritual battle. This is you know, how we begin to walk with Jesus as we We realize, hey, even with something somebody says something to us that is, you know, perverted or dirty. We we like, man, we control what we're thinking, and we begin to think new ways, new thoughts. Colossians three. Let me just read this to you. Colossians three, verse one says, "If you've been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth." Right. For you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So in this new walk, we take time in the presence of God to put on this new garment. This is the new walk. We take time in his presence to worship, to surrender uh, to him. And he's going to show us and expand our minds in worship. You know, one of the verses that was just read was Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This has been a life-changing verse for me, or 1 and 2. It says, in view of God's mercy, offer your body to God as a living sacrifice. You know where we, do you know where we do this? In the closet, let's say, in the prayer closet. This is we begin we, we get in the presence of God, we offer God our bodies as a living sacrifice, and we no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We cannot take off these old garments, if we're not taking the time to get in our closet and pray and spend time in the presence of God and let him renew our minds, we would not walk, maybe some of you would, we would not walk out of our house without going in our closet and changing our clothes, right, and being... And that's the way it is with God. When in the presence of God, in the prayer closet, God begins to show us things, the beauty of God. He begins to, to change our thinking where now we're courageous to go face our day because we just met with the Lord. We just took off these old garments of fear and bitterness and, and all these things. And now we can walk out a new and live a new life as a new person, right? That comes out of the prayer closet. Where you offer, and you get in the presence of God. But number two, it, it, this changes how we feel. Following Jesus, it—you know—I almost hesitate. I was just at a men's conference of, a few weeks ago, and Ken Graves, like the most manliest man I've ever seen in my life. He's like, you can't—you know—talk about your feelings and talk about like how we're not supposed—we're supposed to ignore our feelings all the time. That's not me. You know, I'm like Emo Joe, you know, I was in an emo rock band and like, you know, following Jesus, listen, makes us feel better. It really does. It deals with the emotional issues in our soul. I mean, that is, we as people, I mean, we are creatures that have feelings, but following Jesus and living for Jesus, God wants to help us with those things and allow us to feel better. I'm not just saying this, this is in God's word. Look at this. Uh, Philippians, for example. Philippians chapter four, uh, similar place. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and uh, with thanksgiving and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, what, your heart and minds. I tell you what, that's a good feeling. The peace of God that surpasses understanding, you know how you put on that garment? Prayer. That's what it is. With prayer and supplication in the prayer closet, taking off the, the feelings of bitterness, the feelings of depression, and li- being renewed in our mind and, and experiencing and tapping and, and putting on these new garments of peace and joy and love, right? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your anxieties upon the Lord. Are you anxious? God will take care of your anxiety. Are you depressed? God's gonna help you through that as you take off these old ways. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus, as you come to him, will help you. He will strengthen you in heart. He will help you to feel better. Number three, a third way that we are changed is that we changes how we talk. Changes how we talk. This is kind of weaved all throughout this text. But look at this for except. Look at verse twenty nine for one example. It says, "Let no corrupting talk." This is in Ephesians four. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits for the occasion, that it may give grace to those. Uh, who here? There is a. You may like to take photos with no filter. You know, hashtag no filter. That's something Pilgrim would say, right? Hashtag no filter, right? There is a filter. There is that God wants us to put on our mouths, right? To 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 be careful about what we say. That we're no longer this like fire hose of anger, you know, and just kind of like damaging every person that we come into contact with, right? Hurting people. You know, words have the power of death and life. But God calls us now to use our words, not just, there's not just a don't do this, thankfully. Thankfully, it's not just, hey, walk around and don't say anything to anyone, right? There's a filter that we put on our mouth. Yes, we stop what we're saying and we bite our tongues and Like Proverbs says, even the fool is thought wise when he keeps his mouth shut. That's kind of a kind way to tell somebody to shut up, too, if you ever, you know, want to use that one. A fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut, you know? But hey, listen, there is a positive way to use our tongues. It says, don't let these things come out of your mouth which is going to hurt, but only that which will what? Build up. Build others up. You think about uh, just uh, some of the things the Bible says about words, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Sounds beautiful, I've never seen that, but it sounds like something very beautiful, right? You know, you think about uh, what the Bible says about um, laughter, for example. Laughter is a medicine. And I bet you, out of this group, there's a lot of you that are funny, that are naturally funny, right? You know how good it feels? To have like one of those big belly laughs, we're all like, "Yes, give me one, please!" Like I just want to laugh, Mike, because it feels great. You know, if that's you, imagine how incongruent it is when you're a mean person, right? People need to laugh; it's like a medicine, right? And you think about anxiety, for example. The Bible says that that a a kind word lifts someone up. A man is is a man who is anxious can actually. Uh, feel better by the words of someone who has a kind word to the person who's anxious. That could be you ministering to someone and think about what you could walk up to someone who's anxious and say, we all have the choice, don't we? Just walk up, make it worse, right? Or we can use our tongues to build someone up, to, to impart courage. You know, that's what the word encourage means. It's part of what it means is to give courage, you know, just thinking about, I was up in uh, North Carolina on the Billy Graham Parkway, just what a guy Billy Graham was, you know? It's like, but you think about the people, or maybe there was one person, I don't know exactly, but the person that said to Billy Graham, you can do this, man, you know? I think of the people that have, have encouraged me. I mean, my heart was beating 1,000 miles an hour before I walk up here, and same with you and your, your, your different spheres of, of ministry and life. Think about how we can encourage one another. We can impart courage for someone to go and take a step of faith. It takes other people giving away courage for all of us to walk by faith and to do all the things that God has called us to do. You can be that person, that, that vessel of giving away courage uh, to those around you. You know, James uh, chapter 3, I won't, I'm not going to go into all of it, but James chapter 3 says our tongue is like a rudder on a ship. You know, when you think about the massive ships uh, that we have these days, and the tiniest little thing that's guiding it, it's a motor that's driving it, you know, but this tiny little thing, and that's our tongue. Our tongue, it says, our tongue can be a spark that can set our whole world on fire, <laughs> or it can be one that brings life. You know, it's a, in, a, in many ways, it's a lot like the sexual drive that we were born with. You know, it's like a fire. It can be deadly, absolutely deadly, but it, have, it must be contained, right? Fire, if it's not in an oven or if it's not in a fireplace, we just seen out in California the destruction that that can do. That's our life. If our life is on fire, sometimes it's because of what we said, have said. Thankfully. And I've said that this a few times. Thankfully, there's grace, right? Thankfully, Jesus, because we have all. Uh, you know, we've slipped in our tongues so many times. We, we've said things we shouldn't have. Thankfully, there's a fresh cleansing. But hey, but there is a practice. There is something God wants all of us to begin to practice, to put on, and that's the new garment, uh, taking off the old garments of hateful speech towards others and to put on the new tender-hearted, kind, loving words to those around us, right? You know, think positively about this. There's no other way I could shut my mouth if if there wasn't some positive ways to speak, right? I love the power of the tongue. Number four, this one's pretty quick, it changes how we work. You know, I did point out there uh, that let the thief no longer steal, but rather labor, uh, you know, so that we have something to share. But as Christ followers, as Jesus followers, we should, I believe that we should be the best workers in the workplace. We have the power of God upon our lives. Whether you're an employer and giving jobs to others, you're you're a hard worker working as unto the Lord, providing jobs. God bless you. You know, that's awesome. But that's honest work. You've done that through hard work and hard labor as a Christ follower, right? You're not a thief. You have work to share. You have finances to share. And that's what you know, maybe you come out of a life where it's just all tight fisted and you're taking advantage of, of every person you could. As a Christ follower, now we're called to work, work for Jesus. He puts us in a workplace, but we're working hard not when our, our manager is watching us. We're working hard because Jesus is watching us, right? And then finally, number five changes following Jesus in this new life as Christ's followers, changes how we love. That verse in 5.1 says, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. He describes it. And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, love is the essence of this new life in Christ. And it changes... I think if there's one mark of a person who's committed their life to Christ, it's that they now know how to love. You know, I, I, I said that. I, I've mentioned my marriage several times really because of this point. You know, following Jesus has taught me how to be a, a good husband. I could stand before you today and say, by the grace of God, I am a good husband. You know, even as a pastor, a year ago, I was struggling. I was struggling in my marriage. I, I, for whatever reason, I was still dealing with anger, and to the point where I was yelling at home, right? Um, that is something that I, in tears, came to the elders of the church. It was a Sunday morning, and I was about to preach, and I'm confessing my sins, and and to some of my friends and elders. And and thankfully, they're like, that's not okay. (laughs) It's not okay for you to be yelling at your wife. It's not good. And they begin to walk with me. And and, and this was one more of those things, one more of those garments that I began to have to learn to put off and put on. And I stand before you today, and sadly, she had to leave uh, because my daughter was sick, but my wife would be smiling, telling you that we love each other more than ever. (laughs) It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do, because I was nothing but a hard-hearted, you know, depraved, especially talking about early 20s, up into the marriage, that's who I was. But now there's this practice. There's this putting on, this expressing love in the way that Christ expressed love to us. Now, think with me. We're getting close to being done here. Think about what this looks like. He says, imitate God and live a life of love as Christ loved us. This is not love like, you know, your little love on Facebook. This is love in the sacrificial, agape, unconditional choice of the will to love someone who is unlovely, can be unlovely. Listen, the way that Jesus loved you is that he came to you while you were an enemy of Christ. You were, there was nothing lovely about you. I hate to say it, you all are very lovely today. <laughs> but you were not lovely when Christ came to you. In fact, you were an enemy. We were all so, just, just so far from God, and we didn't deserve it. And now we are called to show that same love to those around us, especially our spouses, Right? Occasionally, very rarely, is my wife unlovely. But listen, I am called to love her, to wash her feet with the waters, wash her with the waters of the word, to to buy her whatever, learn her love language, serve her and love her, despite how I feel. Right? Was there any nudges there? You know? Despite how I feel. This is the new life. Thankfully, I have other people to help show me and keep me accountable to that and ask me how I'm doing, right? But that is our priority to begin to love differently. We don't just love because we've been loved. That's the worldly way, right? We've all had friends that just kind of love us when we've got our act together, and as soon as we need something, they're gone. That's the world's way of love. That's not God's way. God doesn't abandon us based on our performance. Amen? Right? God doesn't just you know say, okay, you better keep your act together today or I'm just not going to love you anymore. No, that's not. And then now, as, as Christ followers, we are called to love in that same, by volitional choice, just I'm going to love even enemies. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. That's only for a Christ follower only. I mean, it's just nuts. And that's how the whole world knows that we're disciples of Christ, is if by our love for each other, by our love for other, you know, our love for even for enemies. Have you been changed by Jesus? Has, this is a great litmus test. How are you doing? You know, are you kind of like, you know, how are you doing in your walk with Christ? I mean, are you practicing putting uh, on the ways of Christ? You know, we have this responsibility to practice putting these things on. You know, the band is going to come up in just a a couple of minutes. Uh, You guys can make your way up here if you want. I just want to ask you, how are you doing? Are you kind of the Christ follower that is still wearing just the oldest, dirtiest smelling clothes that just don't even fit, you know? Are you taking the time to get in the prayer closet? And take those old garments off. You're going to feel better. People sitting around with you more. <laughs> right? I even bet you can enjoy sitting around with the family. Right? I bet you can enjoy sitting around with your family. Maybe it's the church family. Just hanging out and enjoying the company of others because you're filled with love. You're filled with joy and peace. And you're, you know, you're not trying to just get something all the time. Right? Has Jesus changed you? You know, maybe you just, maybe you're here in, in the, your, your life looks more like those first 12, you know? That you are still hard-hearted, you're still calloused. I just want to invite you this morning to be washed. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today is the day. Let today, you know, there's a verse in Revelations, it says, after this I looked, behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation and tribe, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. Who are these clothed in white robes and where'd they come from? And in verse 14 it says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Have you washed your garments, the robe, have you, have you been washed of your sin? Are you made right with God today today, by your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, I just encourage you, repent of your sins, turn away from those things you know to be sinful, and trust that Jesus is enough to get you to heaven. That is the only way you're going to make it to heaven, that is the only way you're be able to have a new life, is that if you turn from your sins and you believe, you trust Jesus. Jesus died for you, right? He went to the cross. He was crushed, crucified, beat up, beat up, spit on, mocked, smacked in the head with a staff for you. So that you can have life. So that you don't have to die. So that you don't have to be the one being mocked. So that you don't have to be the one being crushed. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior today and been washed? If not, today is the day. Maybe it's at the prayer table. Let someone know that is between you and God. It is a prayer that you pray. It's your heart. You turn your hearts to God. If you're ready to be washed, it's simply opening up your hearts to the Spirit of God, turning away from your sins. And I just pray right now, if if you're ready to be born again, let the Spirit of God fall upon you right now. One more question. As we close, you know you're a Christ follower. You know you're born again. Are you daily living for Jesus by taking off the old and putting on the new? Maybe you gotta get back in that prayer closet. I pray that you have the strength to do it every day. No, no, no condemnation if you don't. But man, what a joy life is when you take the time to daily get in the presence of God and take off these old ways, and put on the new. I pray that on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, that every one of you, before work, take the time to get in the presence of God and live out your new life. We have a new life in Christ. Live, Live it out, live for him. God, thank you so much for your word to us, Lord. Thank you so much, God for calling sinful people like us, Lord, and giving us a new life, Lord. What a joy it is. Thank you for how you're transforming us into your likeness. God, I pray your spirit upon this church. What a beautiful church. May we all, may this church all grow, Lord, in, into your likeness. And may we all begin to just walk out this new life that we have in you. God, thank you so much for your word today. In Jesus'
1: name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Shoreline Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Lakewood Ranch YMCA. You can get more content and more information by visiting thisishoreline.com. If you have any questions or any prayer needs, please don't hesitate to email us at info at God bless you.